Hi, I'm Phil Ranta, the host of NFT Stories Podcast. Every week we tell another story from this multi-billion dollar market alongside the artists, collectors, companies, and entrepreneurs that are making it all happen. The year was 1990 and I, eight-year-old Phil Ranta, was going through my regular Friday night routine at Blockbuster of renting a Nintendo game that I could play non-stop until school on Monday, or at least as much as possible before my brother booted me off the system so he could play Tecmo Super Bowl. Now when you're eight, decision-making tactics are a bit different. I knew I liked Mega Man. I knew Mega Man games had a frame around the box with a red Capcom logo at the top. So when I saw a box with the same logo, I assumed it had to be decent. That game? Yo Noid. The game based on the Domino's Pizza mascot. It was... fine. I probably went out and played with the neighbor kids, sadly. But Domino's knew what they were doing. Kids were playing Nintendo all day every day. Kids eat a lot of pizza, get them to play a branded game, and maybe they'll spend more time telling their parents to order Domino's instead of Pizza Hut due to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles relationship. And now we have a metaverse, where the promise is the dynamism and real-time interaction of social media with the stickiness of gaming. So, much like Domino's in 1990, the brands want to stay in front of this trend. We've seen Taco Bell drop an NFT collection. We've seen Nike sell virtual shoes and Samsung building stores into Decentraland. I wanted to figure out how you even start to talk to a brand about this. Is it all about the press? Do they goal against it like digital marketing? And who actually builds this stuff? Our guest Christopher Neff, that's who. As the VP of Creative Technology and Innovation at the community, he guided Samsung 837X a Decentraland experience with games, NFTs, and a lot of buzz. So avoid the Noid, but don't miss this conversation. Christopher Neff, thank you so much for joining the NFT Stories podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Phil. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, excited to talk to you too. We've talked a little bit about metaverses on the podcast, but you're somebody who got in there, got your hands dirty, and helped Samsung, of all people, Build out 837. Can you just start with a little bit about where you were involved in that project? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, my involvement, so I work uh, at the community and I run innovation there, creative technology, and I, I creative lead projects of all sort of disciplines. Uh, Web3 has sort of become my home the last year. Uh, so building things like Samsung 837X, building things within the metaverse, you know, NFT projects, stuff like that has become now, uh, I think, a big part of what I do. Uh, and getting involved in this one specifically, you know, Samsung works across our publicist group. So there's a lot of sort of key players, a uh, really good foundation that's being built within the group itself. Uh, I was pulled in as a specialist to help bring uh, a metaverse property to life for Samsung. We didn't know at the time when we were going to do it. Uh, we didn't know what we were going to do it in, but it was a bit of a kind of a fun a fun uh, you know, experiment to sort of put some different minds together across the group, um, led through Constellation, which which supports Samsung through through Publicis. Um, and I came in to just sort of advise and say, okay, like, what do we want to build? How can we do something spectacular? Where should 
Samsung show up. Uh, and then obviously we had a, a little bit of, you know, very specific nuance. And do we do something in more of a Web2 metaverse, i.e. a Fortnite creator, a Roblox, um, or do we go Web3? Do we go sort of bigger, more spectacular, bold, ambitious? Um, this is back in November. So this was prior to Thanksgiving. So it was really just around when Nike Land came out in Roblox, you know, still really uh, the only thing done in Decentraland at that point, you know, aside from obviously some some smaller stuff and um, was was the Coke, you know, uh, the Coke event that they did with the, the different NFT drops. So we sort of looked at that as like, OK, Decentraland, we love. Can we do this? Can we make this work? So that was just sort of a little bit of, of what was going on at the time as we sort of all came together to to rally behind this create something for Samsung. Yeah. Now you're starting to see, I mean, you were very early, but you're starting to see a lot of brands announce their sandbox play, their Decentraland play. Um, but you had the advantage of Samsung 837 actually being a thing, right? You did 837X, but 837 is a really cool store in New York City. It's kind yeah. of like a, the for those who haven't seen it, it feels like a place where you can take selfies and look really cool, right? There's just kind of like the cutting edge innovation of Samsung. And then it's also built for like Gen Z to go in there and feel like they're having an experiential thing that's going on. So how much inspiration did you draw from that? New York based store in order to build a 837 X. We took a lot of inspiration from it. So Samsung 837 is this cultural brand center in the meatpacking district of New York. Uh, it is actively refreshed. There are really cool installations, experiences, people work in there. Uh, live shows are done in there. There's a, you know, a, a two story theater. There's a, a spot where DJs spin. There's all kinds of like, you know, interesting, uh, dynamics to just the space itself. So from our perspective, I think where we started this was how do we kind of redefine cultural experience for the brand, um, you know, looking at, you know, the metaverse and Web3 as a potential way to do that, uh, but certainly wanted to pull, we wanted to pull aspects of 837, uh, certainly from like its intention and what it represents. But what we didn't want to do was just recreate it. We didn't want people to just walk into 837 in the metaverse and just feel like they walked into the meatpacking district. We maybe wanted you to sort of feel that way on the outside and the facade. Um, but Samsung's very bold, very ambitious. The clients are amazing. And they wanted to push the envelope. So they got really behind. I think all, all of us came together and we said, hey, let's let's give the metaverse audience something different. They're going to want something different. So let's really, when they walk through our doors in our virtual world, we want them to feel something very unexpected something uh, that they wouldn't, you know, that they wouldn't believe Samsung would sort of give them, make that spectacular, make that, uh, you know, uh, driven with prizes and, and cool drops and wearables and things like that. But um, it, it was inspiration sort of from the start, playing off of how 837 was, um, you know, part of the brand culture, uh, you know, associated with experience, and then sort of redefining uh, brand experience through that lens. The toughest part about building in Decentraland is it is pretty core crypto, right? Their core blockchain. Yeah. Um, so there are people who understand Roblox and Minecraft who have millions and millions of users every day, whereas you're going to something like Decentraland, which notably has less users. However, it's more on the cutting edge of where things are going or where the expectation of things are going. So was the core calculus of this that you wanted to reach out to this really new Web3 smaller community than a Roblox or Minecraft, but one that you felt like had more impact with a brand like Samsung? Was that what you were thinking at the time? 
Yeah, it was definitely played into the to the thinking. So if you look at Samsung sort of at the time going back before CES, because we, we really built this thing in like under five weeks. So going back to Thanksgiving wow. and then fast forward a few weeks, uh, there was an announcement that the, the Frame TV would have NFT integration. So that was a really big deal at the time because, it, you know, and, and amazing television with NFT integration, everybody was like, wow, like Samsung gets it. Uh, and they do. And they're usually a first mover from those types of things. So to kind of look at that now out in the world, people saying like, this is super cool to then capitalize on kind of that Web3 wave or that Web3 momentum to build something in Decentraland and deploy it a few weeks later at CES. There was a really good message where it was like Samsung wants to play, um, you know, with, with this technology for this audience. Uh, and and I think, you know, we you, you mentioned earlier, like, yes, there are definitely first mover advantages, um, but also a lot of a lot of risks in doing the biggest, sure. boldest, most ambitious thing in Decentraland. Uh, so we had to do that as well. Right. We had to think about, like, well, how do we get this right? You know, really trying to understand the audience psychology very quickly, uh, understand, you know, even the patterns and, and the amount of users in Decentraland are not the same. Uh, it is not apples to apples with the Roblox. Uh, or Fortnite, right? We are talking about a very vast difference because, you know, uh, using a MetaMask wallet, using a wallet connect for Decentraland, um, not a lot of people have gone through that process. Like, yes, in Web3 land, everybody, we think it's, it's, um, it is easy, right? It is easy in terms of getting a MetaMask wallet and connecting to Decentraland. But a lot of the user experience norms still in Web3 are not easy. Um, they are not frictionless. And that is sort of a big problem where I think a lot of people have sort of halted adoption they said this isn't for me. They don't necessarily want to learn the new thing, or they've they've kind of carried those stigmas that exist within, you know, whether it's it's token space, crypto space. Maybe they're not really into the financial side, and then they sort of bring those stigmas into this this experience side, which couldn't be any any you know more different than decentralized finance. But yet it's carrying sort of a stigma of like, no, I don't, you know, I don't really trust NFTs. I don't trust the money. Uh, it's not just about the money, right? It's it's they don't so they don't see it necessarily as this this new method of communication, this new form of access, this new. So um, some of those barriers and those gaps, you know, obviously hurt the the audience numbers. So when you're looking at like twenty you know thousand active daily users in a decentraland, obviously now probably about twenty five thousand, a little bit more compared to like a thirty five million in Roblox. And there are games in Roblox that are bigger than all of decentraland. So we just have to kind of compare that and, and understand it. But where we we looked at was like, well, we can use social, you know, audience, we can use sort of a, a, a very passionate base in Samsung, and we can take things that we're doing in the metaverse, and we can bring them to a mainstream audience. And, and we were able to amass billions of impressions in doing this. So we opened up the audience, if you will, we, we attracted new users to a web three world. Um, and I think that's a little bit of like what we felt so, uh, so positive about, right? It was like, you, you, we wanted to to help and grow Decentraland, you know, pay uh, respect to what we thought and we still think is an incredible Web3 platform from a metaverse perspective. Um, it's not built on partnerships. It's built on actual games, on actual mechanics, mm -hmm. on quests, on NFTs, on, uh, on land. So they're, they're not amassing um, their spectacular through associations. They want you to try it. They want you to build there. They want you to play there. Um, but we were able to bring a new audience into that dynamic and shine a light on what we think is an amazing platform that's that's going to continuously get bigger, uh, you know, as sort of Web3 UX norms, as adoption, as forms of entry, I think, become a little bit more frictionless. 
um, Decentraland is primed to really continue to blossom and go bigger. Will it ever be at the level of a Roblox is, I think, a pretty big question. Um, it's a fundamental question, but I, I do believe, and I, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit about this too, that I believe that Roblox and Fortnite and some of these other Web2 metaverse platforms will adopt um, some type of hookup to dApps and, and some type of uh, connection to Web3 uh, processes to allow more true NFT integration. Um, you know, maybe Robux and stuff like that would, would potentially go uh, fungible, but I, I'm not sure if they're going to go quite to that level. But as they start to adopt, they're going to sort of blur those lines a little bit as, you know, a Decentraland, a Sandbox, a Star Atlas, a, you know, um, you know, will continue to sort of figure out, okay, well, how do I let people in, um, in, in maybe easier, more seamless ways to, to increase my growth in terms of audience adoption? So I oh, think it's sure. these, these two things are going to, these levers are constantly going to be, be pulled. Uh, yeah, and there's going to be a lot of experimentation before that leads up to, right? And Roblox and Minecraft, of course, has the advantage of they can have six and seven-year-olds playing it, right? Whereas six and seven-year-olds can't sign up for a MetaMask wallet, nor do we probably want them to, right? Yeah, so if they can do true. three clicks and then buy an NFT, that could, uh, that could be a huge oops for the parents in a way that's a little less guarded than something on Roblox, where you have to go through a very long process in order to hook up a credit card, as any parent can attest to. Let's, let's get to the nuts and bolts a little bit about this build. Did Samsung, first of all, buy the land in order to have, like, do they own the land or are they kind of squatting on other people's land for this initiative? So to start with, um, to start with we, we brokered a lease for them. It was a lease agreement. Um, and, and now the land is more held within, uh, within the group. So it's, it's more structured uh, and owned now in terms of a, of a relationship. But to start with, again, we, we did things pretty fast. Uh, so we looked at, you know, one of the, the biggest landowners and we found, uh, you know, quite frankly, we found specialists in the space. You know, we found a group, uh, Last Slice Collective, that um, is a, a DAO in themselves. They had built uh, numerous things like Wall Street Bets. They had built some really good experiences prior to us. Um, they've built some amazing experiences uh, with us. So in that sense, it was uh, really trying to work within the community with specialists that, that very much understand uh, the space. Uh, a landowner that, you know, and, and again, getting into this with Samsung really for the first time, um, you know, we, we have to understand there's a landowner that has to deploy our build. Right. Uh, it takes time for our build to propagate across these servers and not all these servers propagate the build evenly. So it's really getting into that. That was very critical to understand what the experience might be like. But we did deploy the land, um, the build on, on someone else's land uh, and, and kind of bringing together again, those specialists, I think, helped us navigate that. But it was it was pretty seamless for for Samsung. And, and I, like I said, they're bold, they're ambitious. Um, they understood what they were, were going after here. So they said, well, let's just make sure again, what Samsung would do, like, let's make sure we get the best land we can. Let's make sure, you know, we're, right. we're being proper about how we propagate a build, really understanding all of those sort of technological hurdles that we had to cross. Um, it was a, it was a handholding throughout, and it was really a positive experience, despite uh, what were, you know, uh, clear hurdles going through gas prices for sure. minting Polygon NFTs, even explaining. So some of it's education, but some of it is just application and going through the process and, and finding that on a day that you look to mint, you know, 150,000 NFTs, the price of gas is not what it was when you sure. talked about it three weeks ago. And now all of a sudden it's like we have a, we have a, a gap. 
um, how do we want to, you know, work with that gap? And and our gas prices with Polygon were even, uh, you know, reflective of like things that were going on. There was a a, a farm game that was using, uh, you know, using Polygon, um, and the and the price of uh, the price of gas, the price of we had spiked tremendously because of uh, some type of like a, a, a false cap or or a non-existing cap within that game. Um, caused a lot of turbulence for us. And, you know, but we navigated it. We were very clear with people on social. We communicated to people both in world and out of world exactly what was going on. And I think transparency, um, comfort, like all the things that we sort of developed with the brand and, and, and you know, that the agency has developed with the brand over time, because this isn't a, this is a, a longstanding relationship, you know, doing ambitious things. This might have been one of the most ambitious, um, sure. certainly a first, but I think that relationship really helped um, navigate some of those things that were just uh, unknowns at the time, and and we we crossed them together. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, when other side was dropping, I foolishly said, oh, "I'm going to pick up an ENS domain for this other thing I'm working on." And when it said seven thousand dollars in gas fees, I went, "Oh, that's right, other side is dropping right now." So yeah. gas fees are definitely uh, make a joke out of us all when it starts to spike. So when somebody walked into Samsung 837 on the event day, they walk in with their avatar. What did they see? So on the event day, so we, you know, come at it from a few different ways. So we created a bit.ly link that would drop people directly at the plot in like a nice vantage point. Um, so you would sort of see the build, you know, the, the, the actual space builds uh, as it would in Decentraland. When you drop in, you kind of see this, this more heroic kind of build. Uh, and then people could also come through uh, Genesis Plaza. We had a, an event that had started, so you're able to enter that way. So there's multiple ways to come in. Um, when you first dropped in, you really were landing in the meatpacking district, if you will, our, our sort of version of that uh, with a lot more emissives and, and uh, you know, some, some more interesting, uh, some interesting architecture around it. Uh, we, we built like a little, uh, we had a, a cool little hover car. We had last slice pizza in the distance. We had just some stuff that we had kind of built out little Easter eggs or nods, but really the beautiful facade was what was in front of you. Um, you know, kind of positioned in front, but a little bit, obviously to the right massive structure, uh, which really was the 837 building in New York that we recreated. Again, we added some emissives, we added some numbers, we added some touches, window dressings, things like that. Um, some, some signage, but for the most part, we wanted you to, to really feel like you had landed in our version of New York. Uh, and then you were, you know, obviously lots of avatars around. Uh, we were really lucky that people embraced it right away. We had, uh, we had traffic right off the bat. We had even tutorials on how to beat the quests uh, probably 25, 30 minutes after we launched it. So it wow. just showed you that people really got in. They dug it. Um, the price of Mana spiked. Uh, the whole market was down and the price went up and everybody was just sort of like uh, really positively receiving, it, which was amazing for for all of us, uh, amazing for the clients, the agency, everybody that sort of touched it. Um, you know, we had uh, we had multiple like companies helping us uh, sort of navigate the the Web3 stuff. So there was uh, Bowie, who's who's a company that really like took care of um really took care of, I think, the the operations, if you will, the production. Um, and then we had Last Slice, as I noted, which really like understood the land, understood how to build. Uh, and, and that facade is what you saw. And then again, when you walk through the doors, that's when I think the real, you know, surprise and delight occurred uh, from, from that point on. 
And tell me, you, you dropped the quest thing. Tell me a little bit about what quests you had set up for that day for those who missed it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, getting into understanding, okay, we needed a little bit of, like, ease in, and then we needed a little bit of difficulty. So we've now refreshed the space about four times. There's been multiple performances, things like that. But to start with, we, we wanted, we had four badges uh, throughout the space. So the first badge was really just like a door prize. So if you went in and you went to the center lobby, and once you walked through the door, now there was no there was no ceiling, right? So the skybox is, is vast, it's big, you kind of feel like you're in a galaxy or space, um, you know, big rotating tunnel, like really interesting uh, light, uh, light passages, uh, portals, things like that. So so putting yourself in that space, um, there were three main worlds that we built aside from the lobby and aside from the outside facade. Uh, each one of those worlds had a quest that you could do and earn a badge. And then the lobby itself had a badge that you could get. So just by going up and grabbing that badge, you got the, uh, the entrance badge, and then you could get three others. Uh, we have a forest, which was really indicative of the sustainability goals of the brand, uh, you know, planting 2 million trees in Madagascar. Uh, that's the, the brand initiative. It's, it's, it's definitely like a, a progressive brand from a sustainability standpoint, from a, from a carbon neutrality standpoint. Uh, we wanted to indicate that, but we set the, the forest to have a little bit more like uh, folklore inspired by like Korean proverbs. Uh, so it was like, how can we put mythical creatures? Uh, so in this case, it was a dragon quest. You had to, to find the dragon, you know, the dragon was a, a water dragon, something symbolic of like a principle of life. And, um, when you visited the dragon, uh, the dragon gave you uh, a badge after, after you heard it. So in that case, you, you navigated to find the dragon. Uh, there was another land, which was, you know, centered around, uh, connectivity and it was a theater. So this played the CES keynote because Samsung was doing a keynote at the time for CES. Uh, this played the, the keynote on the big screen and it had basically just a connectivity quest. It was all about just connecting several different light sources, these orbs. And if you did that, uh, the badge would illuminate in the, in the middle of the theater. And then the last room was built around customization. So customization, uh, you know, really like it's about customizing products, really like figuring out, you know, your attachment to Samsung as a brand, um, you know, which manifested a little later on in one of our other refreshes. But for that period of time, it was about customizing the stage. So we built this crazy three-sided stage, uh, all had different platforms that you could stand around. We did a live uh, mixed reality performance. So we streamed um, Gamma Vibes, who was a DJ from uh, 837 in New York, into the metaverse. And then you could watch it from one of three stages. You'd stand on this light platform, uh, we had like custom emotes that were set. If you were standing, you would dance automatically. Um, but by controlling a little module underneath the stage, you'd hit some buttons, you'd be able to change the lights and things. Everybody would see it. And then that would unlock another badge for you. So those were the four, those were the four badges. And then if you got all four badges, it entered you into a chance to win uh, wearables. So we worked with a wearable creator through, through Last Slice called Blacknode. Um, and we created three like very specific, uh, wearable collections also inspired by, you know, Korean street fashion, um, you know, interesting sort of facets of culture. Uh, one was like a dragon kind of like a mythical, uh, outfit. And that happened to be our, our mythic collection. So there's only 10 of those. We then had like almost like cyberpunk ish, right? That was our second collection, which was legendary. So there's only a hundred of those. Uh, and then the epic collection 
we minted a thousand of them, but we distributed uh, 800 of them uh, to people. And that was, you know, again, just more jacket and, and cool shoes. Uh, but it was, it was great. So everybody was really excited about the wearables. Uh, we had a lot of participation in the quests, you know, really good sentiment, really good engagement. Like I said, there were tutorials, there were people doing it on Twitch. They weren't, these quests weren't hard. Uh, our first quests weren't hard. We did a, uh, we've done a couple of quests since. Uh, one, which was a sustainability quest, which was really hard. You had to find boxes all around the space. And we only had, I think, like, we had less than a thousand people find all the boxes that they could uh, to get, like, the the most premium badge. Uh, and it shows you of, you know, 25, 30,000 people that played, it was like under a thousand that could beat it. So in that case, it was a, it was a really tough one. So, Chris, Samsung now has this build into Centraland. Uh, and you mentioned that they've done some stuff with it since the big unveiling unveiling event. Is this something that they plan on sustaining for a long time to come? To what level are they supporting it? Are you the ones directing them or are they directing you? I'm just curious how much brands engage when it comes to a new initiative like this. Yeah, Samsung for sure is sticking around in Decentraland. Uh, and they're for sure going to stick around in the metaverse and continue to do great things in Web3. I believe that. Uh, they're very excited about the reception. I mean, this campaign has had 98% positive sentiment for them. Wow. So when you think about from a brand perspective, led to all kinds of, you know, uh, several billion impressions, like lots of, lots of good traction, lots of noise. Um, because, it, you know, I think in a sense, we got, got lucky to a degree too, right? Like, you don't quite know how people are going to receive things. But I think we understood a few norms. And, and one of those norms was that the metaverse audience did not just want a recreation. Um, they did not just want us to build, uh, the expected thing in the metaverse for them, expect them to come in, you know, just like they're walking into the building in New York, it had to be something progressive and different. Uh, we, we got it, you know, I think that right. Uh, and then we have continued to refresh it. So we did this, uh, sustainability effort around Valentine's day, and there was a, a fun quest that was difficult to, to beat, but e either way, even if you did part of it, you still got a badge. And just by getting a badge, by revisiting the forest, and blowing uh, kisses at the tree on Valentine's Day, uh, it then unlocked a wearable, and that was a custom wearable that you got. So we tied like it into an emote. We did a two-step walk, and then that badge, you know, is now another one that they, you know, users have in their wallet. Uh, we've done since then a, a customization quest, which actually was a partnership with Pixelmind, and Pixelmind uh, has a really cool AI engine for generative uh, NFTs. So we did a 20,000 art collection uh, based on choices that you made in the metaverse. So there were three different paths, uh, an animal per path, uh, and just different things that you would collect and you would select based on sort of color preferences, textures, things that you liked. And then when you finished the paths, then it opened up like a kind of like a, a bit of a, a rainbow road from Mario Kart sort of inspired, sure. you know, by and like you, you, you know, went up this road. Uh, into this, this like, uh, kind of like a concluding lobby um, destination. And, and then you were able to actually select the properties that you liked uh, and submit to have it minted. You got a pre-reveal NFT, that one in your wallet. And then about a week later, uh, then all of a sudden we switched from pre-reveal to the reveal state and everybody can see what their art is. And that was really all around customization. The second one was around sustainability. And the first one sort of launched all the different pillars of the brand. So we also had a Unpacked, a Galaxy Unpacked, which is like their, you know, one of their biggest events for Galaxy. 
around the world where they unveil, um, you know, aspects of the phone, new, new devices, uh, that, uh, that was streamed in the theater and we had a really big audience. I think we had about, you know, uh, 12,000 or 13,000 concurrent users at that time across the land. So that was, that was a really good moment. Uh, and that was around connectivity. So, uh, I think in, in terms of long-term, you know, I mean, obviously Samsung has a lot of things in plan. There's, there's great conversations happening between, uh, Publicis and them, um, to determine sort of next steps. But, you know, there was a music, uh, there's been a few more music performances. Uh, there was an event, uh, you know, two weekends ago. So it just shows you like all the way from January to now, still very active, a lot of things happening. Um, the team is largely together. Uh, and then more people have sort of come on, but, but a lot of the, the same clients. Um, so there's, you know, some new people supporting it, but certainly the same people leading it. Uh, and I do believe that, you know, the, the brand is going to continue to be ambitious playing in web three connectivity to that wallet. Uh, the, you know, the, the, where does that wallet go? Where do those badges go? Where do having those custom NFTs go? How does it relate to other different properties and principles within, um, you know, within commerce and within the lines of business. So, you know, for, for us, I think that's kind of the spectacular and that's where the appetite is to, to try to push that ambition uh, across the brand. Sure. And now publicist has seen this incredible success on Samsung. Is this to the point where they're like, let's get Krispy Kreme, let's get Nike, let's get, you know, are they saying everybody should be in the metaverse? Do, do, I guess do larger agencies see this as a cost of doing business or do they still see it as kind of a, well, we'll do it for the edgier electronic brands, the forward thinking ones, but maybe not now for the like mid-tier brands. No, I, I believe that every brand is having those conversations and, and certainly Publicis, you know, we, we have so many great clients around the world and we're, we're a massive company. So there's a lot of conversations happening, a lot of things actively being built. Um, but if you look at like, you know, not just an electronics brand, you know, Fidelity just launched the the stack right. in Decentraland. And, you know, we've seen uh, car dealerships and stuff like that. You know, you've seen banks, you've seen bars, you've seen other sort of facets. Uh, and, and then, you know, Fashion Week was, I think, a huge moment um, as well. So w within the platform. So I think it's, it's, it's definitely a conversation that everyone is having. I think that like, there's still the, where do you start? You know, is it, is web two right for you? What, what audience age are you going after? What's the dynamic there? Do you go after a, a platform that has just a, a greater audience in terms of, of mass and numbers? Um, to extend your reach, or do you play in a combination of Web3 metaverse and, and social to amplify it, right? That was a bit more of our playbook. So those are the fundamental questions that you're asking every brand. We're certainly asking those. Um, but I do believe the appetite is there. I just think that, you know, my my caution is, is not to, uh, I think for users, it, there's, there's no caution. Just try it out. Just right. get in there. Check it out. Set up a MetaMask if you don't have one. Um, try out the different worlds, see what you think, see the comparison, try Web2 worlds and try Web3 metaverse worlds because metaverse is not new. Metaverse has been around for for a long time. 3D worlds, people have been playing in. I think, you know, I remember EverQuest and things like, you know, obviously World of Warcraft, like bigger bigger ones that, that followed. But um, these type of, of worlds with coexistence and gameplay have been around for a while. There's a bit of a new container. There's a new sort of shininess to the words. Um, but you have to get in and you have to try and you have to understand the nuance across the platforms, uh, quite frankly, because otherwise it's very hard to guide a client into where they should play. 
right? Where, where should you go? But I think every I think every brand should be having those conversations um, as it relates to metaverse, as it relates to Web three. Um, it's a it's an interesting time because it's an inflection inflection point in terms of the 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 turn of technology. Um, you know, Web three obviously is here. I think so many people focus on decentralization, uh, interoperability. I think is is probably more interesting only because you know you're not really talking about decentralized brands. You're talking about very much centralized brands. But the idea that their users move around across a lot of Web two properties and Web three properties. The seamless sort of move and connection of data uh, across disparate properties like that as a function, I think, of where brands are going in Web3 is more important. Um, and I think you need Web3 in order to get there because you lack that you lack that fundamental connection across everything Web2. It's, it's more, you know, singular roads, uh, centralized boxes. So you're not going to see the portability from a Roblox into a Fortnite and certainly not going to see that into a sandbox or a Decentraland. Um, but I do believe that a brand should think about NFTs and that connection as a, as a greater touch point, a longer road, a new form of connection. How many users uh, and user wallets are you connected to as a brand? Because now all of a sudden, if you're connected to 200,000 wallets, you can drop 200,000 people something very specific at any given time. And that connection point has tremendous value as a communication channel as a uh, as a point of access, uh, not just right now, but for what's to come. So it, it's I think the most important thing um, is really that for a brand to understand. And I think fundamentally, Samsung understands that dynamic more than anything. And it also then helps you as a brand to, to, to know, like, we have to keep showing up, we have to keep communicating through these means, we have to continue to to give things through the wallet um, to lead to the next thing. To push to push what's next, and then hopefully grow those two hundred thousand or one hundred fifty thousand, or some brands may have two thousand. Right? right? How do you grow that into a really massive number so it becomes your sort of newest, uh, your your newest, you know, CRM? Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, it's it's that is the database, that is the point of connection. Uh, customers want to know uh, what you're going to tell them next through a Web three wallet not always necessarily happening through other points of communication. So um, they're, they're playing the long game. Uh, I'm certainly playing the long game. And I believe uh, we have unlocked something really interesting in the Web3 space, in, in certainly the collision point between Web2 and Web3. I love it. So if there's any brands listening, because I know there's a lot of people who work for brands that listen to this podcast, and they say, man, I would love to figure this out, but it's doing my head in. I need to talk to Christopher Neff now to figure this out. How should they reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, happy to connect on LinkedIn. And and again, you know, we facilitate at the community. We have a lot of clients, um, a, a lot of reach there. And then Publicis Group has, you know, I think the they've amassed the, the, the best, biggest, baddest uh, sort of Web3 uh, machine and muscle that, that exists right now, certainly in, in more of what would you consider a holding company or you know, in a, in a more classic space, um, we're, we're balancing that. Right. So I'd say reach out, happy to help, happy to point you in the right direction. Um, you know, web three community is one of the, the, the most welcoming communities. And I know it doesn't always get that from an optics standpoint. And it's, it's sad because, you know, every, every change in transition has people that are waiting for it to fail. You know, and I, I believe that, you know, we went obviously with dot com. Everybody remembers Amazon.bomb, right? Everybody remembers the, 
the, the article and, and, you know, everybody was sort of, uh, you know, just sitting there waiting for this failure, this colossal failure, so that it just validated, I think, the fear. But in a sense, it's like when the community comes together um, and really supports each other and communicates and we help learn from each other's mistakes, um, we help support each other by connecting them to the right people. It may be that simple that I hear you and I talk to you and I think, hey, you really should talk to this person um, and that could blossom a really good relationship. I think that's what Web3 is about right now because anybody in Web3 understands that we're in the first inning. Uh, It's still so early. It's so new. The market has not matured. I mean, it's going through this massive drop right now, um, which is a maturity issue, right? I think it it largely is. Um, But just like .com, just like a lot of the the predecessor leaps of technology, um, you know, I believe we're not even all the way up. No way. Before the the dip, um, we have not hit the top by any means. And I believe we're probably not even halfway to the top. So the maturity is probably coming at an earlier stage than for .com in many ways. And I think it's just due to, to the internet, due to, to, to social, I think more so, right? Like we're able to communicate, uh, in a, in a quicker way. So I think from, from my standpoint, I would say this is the best time to just sort of go out of your comfort zone, learn, talk to people, be a sponge. Um, there are no bad questions in this space. There are no real experts in this space. Uh, because it changes so much. It changes every day. I'm, I'm not an expert in this space. I am knowledgeable in this space because I am focusing my attention to become knowledgeable in this space and move fluidly between, you know, PFPs, uh, tokenomics and metaverse, right? Some people just specialize and focus on one thing. I can't. Uh, I, I'm not able to do that because part of it's in my nature that I need to be able to sort of play in all these things. But brands are playing in all these things. So as I'm this sort of intersection between Web 2 and Web 3, it's important that I understand, you know, the nuances of a, of a NFT collection as much as um, I understand, you know, how to build something in a Decentraland or, again, the game mechanics of a more traditional platform um, and how all that sort of ladders into like social and more um, traditional channels, i.e. TV you know, online video, those kind of things, right? We saw in the Super Bowl sort of all these, you know, traditional and untraditional worlds collide. Um, I, I do believe that we are still very much entrenched in needing to understand how to move between those. And um, it's exciting as can be. So uh, I'm, I mean, hopefully you can hear it in my voice. Like every day I wake up and I'm excited to learn. Uh, and it's, it's probably the most I'm, I've learned in the last six to eight months uh, you know, I look at it as it, it's, it's a much bigger leap than VR, uh, even like trying to learn, you know, AI and for brands and, and how to use TensorFlow and, and, and get in there with like those systems. This is a much bigger learning curve than I think I've ever faced in my entire career. Uh, and if that can't excite you, then I think you're, I think you're in the wrong place, you know, because yeah. <laughs> uh, go go live on the Nepali coast or something and enjoy that. But yeah, this not is a bad uh, place to go. If you're living not a bad Nepali place coast. to go if, if you're going to go and, and live off the land and be an adventurer. But if you can't get excited from a tech perspective about Web3, then I truly believe that this is the most exciting time um, many of us are going to going to face in, in certainly looking at like a 20, 25 year period. Like this is to me, it's, it's a recreation of dot com with a a much quicker form of communication and I think even more investment. So 
Well, Chris, I think that's an awesome place to leave it. And even though you say there are no experts in the place, you sure sound like you're closer than most. So thank you for being generous with your time. We'd love to have you back in the future. Would love to, Phil. Thank you so much for your time as well. This episode of NFT Stories Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Phil Ranta. Theme music is by Mike Constantini, and we're made possible by our friends at We Are Verified. This episode has now officially been minted. See you at the next drop.